Hello strangers, my name is Rose Gothop. I am the writer-director of this podcast and I want to welcome you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is all about the magical world of the Greenlands. If you want more information about the Greenlands or want to submit a script or be involved in the project as a voice actor or even just, you know, throw money at us, <laughs> go to our website at the-greenlands.com, the-greenlands.com, or tweet at us on Twitter at GreenlandsThe or Instagram. These also will be put on YouTube. I want to thank our cast for this week's episode of Sister of the Middle Sun, which is a first in the cycle of six stories. Bridget Hemingway, Sam Perry, Helen Berry, Linda Dutson, Kate Newell, David McCran, Francis Broody Oldbridge, Faye Massey, and our narrator, Anne-Marie Goldthorpe. So let's grab our axes, bows, pointy ears, teenage angst, and see you in the greenhouse. Priory. It is the corridor. Night time. Mavis is furiously whispering conspiratorially to a ragged serving girl. And when you get there, tell the Abyss that the Prioress is complaining to the Primate about her making money and that they are sending these demons to her convent. But me mum will kill me from that late. Tell her you had to go on an errand for the Prioress and she's giving you a chicken for it. You can collect a chicken from the kitchen. <laughs> tell Cook that the Prioress needs another one for you to give to Mavis. <laughs> Yes. Tell the Prioress that this comes from one who means well. Means what? Well. What well? <sighs> Just give the message, all right? The girl nods and runs off along the corridor, and Mavis looks around guiltily. Convent, Blodwyn's bedroom. It is night time. Blodwyn strips to her large, coarse chemise, draping her outer clothes across the bottom of the bed. We realise that she actually isn't that old, late forty-ish. She actually has a glorious head full of brown hair and then she looks in the wardrobe and under the bed. Oh. No, look. We see Incubus 5. Unlike the other Incubi, this one looks more mature, 40-ish, and even has a goatee beard. He's wearing a spiked leather jacket and pants and has a senior manager look about him. As Blodwin seems to be asleep, he swaggers over to her bed and strikes a pose. Have you seen, sister? Oh, I... The Incubus frowns and looks a bit confused, but he tries again. Tremble, mortal. I come to enter your head and sit on your spirit. With a face like that, you can sit in other places too. Incubus draws back, a bit put out. In 4,000 years, no woman has ever said that to me. Madam, I am trying to possess you. Could you take this seriously? I take this very seriously. No man has ever possessed me. Not for very long, anyway. She waggles an eyebrow at him. The incubus crosses his arms across his chest and tries to growl, but is grinning despite himself. Uh, Perhaps a little more maidenly modesty? I ain't a maid. I've been a widow seven times. Thank you very much. The Incubus and Blodwin are full-on smirking now. This is entertainingly like a setup of a bad 1970s blue movie. I wonder what they all died of. It must have been worth it. We could find out. Oh, in my 4,000 years of existence, I have met many women, but none have tried to kill me in this way. I dare you, madam, to try me! Blodwin winks. The scene cuts to Sister Letice's room. She's calmly sitting, reading her Bible. She turns the page carefully. We hear a series of thumps and weird noises. She sighs and throws a clog at her wall. Stop looking for handsome men in your wardrobe. You won't find one. Oh, that woman. 
convent, Blodwin's bedroom, mourning. The naked incubus is prostrate with his magnificent body thrown exhaustedly across the bed with a little sheeting to protect his modesty. Blodwin is dressing. He regards Blodwin with awe. He produces a flask out of somewhere. Mm. It appears I am still alive, although it was close a few times. He winks. I could try again later. The incubus laughs. <laughs> Fine. You get to keep your soul, only because you almost sucked out mine. I am curious about your order. Such peculiar women. Tell me about yourself. Later. I have to get breakfast started, then prayers, and me daily duties. I ain't sacrificing them for you. Even if you are the handsomest man this side at mountains. Oh, me mother always said, get the man's name and address. What's yours then? My name? Ha! You couldn't pronounce it. Try me. I can do things with my tongue a demon never dreamed of. This causes both of them to pause and consider this. You can call me Lord Ozefold the Destroyer. Right. Oz the Destroyer. You can show yourself out. I got stuff to do. She adjusts her headdress and walks out of the room. The incubus stretches and produces a modern cigarette, which it smokes and then disappears. Convent. It is the corridor. Daytime. Blodwin is walking along the corridor, looking a little proud of herself, when the incubus pops up next to her, striding along. So, I wish you to show me this holy ground of yours. I am most curious. Blodwin yelps and shoves him in a doorway. Oh, I told you to leave. You are this woman. You do such terrible things to me and then throw me away without a second consideration. I'm supposed to say that. Yeah, I got there first. He waggles his eyebrows at her and blows smoke at her. You are a man and some sort of demon. Your place is not this holy ground. Quite the contrary, my dear. This is a sort of nunnery, and I always get me to a nunnery. Brings back the days of my youth. Blodwin glares at him. We're priestesses. Oz shrugs. Same thing. Anyway, I am not leaving. Hell is most boring this time of year, and you are too interesting to leave, my dear. Oh, men. This is why I became a priestess. They're all the same. Right. If you're going to stay, you will have to wear a robe and pretend to be some monk or other. I am not having a man dressed like that following me around. Oh, roleplay, kinky woman. I'm starting to see why you went to hell. Incubus laughs and makes <laughs> a grey robe appear around him. He looks like a very demonic priest. Well, it could be worse, I suppose. Stick to me, and please don't say anything stupid. She sets off with Oz following her. We notice that his shoes have heels. Priory. The Priory's study. It is day. Sanct Money is standing in front of the desk, behind which the Prioress is sitting. The Prioress is looking displeased. So, you are telling me that these incubi have not done their jobs? Well, it transpires that they have actually visited, but, um, don't seem to have succeeded. Were they rooted? I believe that some of them were routed and, and others were... Uh, employed, uh, but... Employed? Um, uh, kept busy. So there are to be no damn children? I believe not. The prioress waves sanctimony away. Oh, then we shall write to the primate and make sure that he comes here first before visiting these hagdens. 
then I can explain to him just what we are dealing with here. Thanks, him, and he turns to leave. Can you give yourself 20 cold bars, Sanctimony, for failing me with the incubi? <sighs> yes, my lady. Sanctimony crawls away. Convent, garden, it is day. Agatha is weeding, watering with her sister Botwaga, who is also weeding truculently. He has a collar on. Bloodwing comes around the corner with her incubus in a robe. She sees Agatha and stops. The two incubus see each other and go rigid. Do I be right in understanding that this be another disciple of the storm like an unto my own? Um. Yes. Oh, hello, Underling. I thought I could sense you. Uh, you two know each other? Yes. He is my senior. My lord, what are you doing here? Have you been captured too? Oh, yes, she captured my heart and my soul. And other things. Of course she has. Bloodwin always did. Although I thought you'd got overdoing that woman. Oh, I had a relapse. And he now won't go away. <laughs> I could rig you of him quite easily. I know some banishments. Uh, thanks for the offer. I'll uh, consider it if he's still here tomorrow. What's your demon for? My creature is serving penance for its misdeeds and helping me weed the herb garden. Yeah, that's pretty punishing. As Agatha is about to continue, the abbess walks past and both of the incubi duck under their cloaks. Oh, I see we have more Sisters of the Storm. Could we say a storm is brewing? <laughs> uh -huh. They all titter dutifully. Aye, they are a peculiar order who do their best to assist other sisters in need. My, my. I must write to their abbess to thank her for her amazing work. This is interrupted as a girl comes into the garden, carrying a basket. It is the maid to whom Mavis gave the message. She sees the abbess, comes up to her, bobs a curtsy and pauses. The abbess looks up. Yes, my child. Oh, I am um, just to say that the Sisters of the Moon have got demons in their... in... in their well. Oh, dear. We all have our trials, I suppose. You just put those deliveries on the kitchen table, dear, and have a nice drink of spring water. The girl bobs. Yes, ma'am. She walks away. The abbess hurries after her, leaving the two Ingubi and sisters behind, all eyeing each other. There'll be a lot of demons about recently. You two wouldn't know anything about it, would you? Don't ask me. I'm just a low-level incubus. I never get told anything. Now, don't ask me. I never pay attention in briefings. Both of the sisters sigh. <sighs> Well, I must return to my business, and so must you, Bloodwin. I hope you've got everything under control. If not, I'll be there with divine retribution. It'll be fine. Come on, you two. Get weeding. Country Lane. It is daytime. The abbess is walking towards the villages with Patience and Letiche. Patience is walking in the middle. How is the recruitment drive going, Sister Letici? Oh, it has definitely taken a turn for the better, Mother, and several people have made an inquiry. Oh, that's lovely to see young girls' devotion to the sun. Well, not quite. It was actually their family commending them. Um, uh, Trixie has been consorting a little wantonly, and her father wants to ensure her a pure life. 
The other girl's grandmother said she ate too much and didn't fancy herself up enough to attract her husband. Oh, is that poor Cece, whose parents were eaten by a bear last year? Uh, yes, that's the one. So I said I would come down and have a word with the girls and see if they had a sunny vocation. The best thing. I hear the poor girl eats to cope. Most unhealthy. Have you heard from the primate, Mother? Yes, he is to visit us next week, and I am sincerely hoping that he will listen to my complaints about the Sisters of the Moon's Rents. Only Etty knows. Only Etty knows. Priory, the cloisters. It is daytime. The prioress is parading slowly up and down. Mavis is following behind her and carrying the prioress's cup of wine, her first stole, and a large fan. Fan me, child. The air feels a little sultry. Yes, my lady. Mavis fans her as the prioress walks in a stately manner, and then... A sip of wine, I think. Yes, my lady. She holds the pale wine up to the prioress's lips, and the prioress sips while walking. Sister Bluster appears, walking from the opposite direction, and she bows to the prioress and then turns to walk alongside of her. Good morning, my daughter. Good morning, my lady. I have decided to ask the primate to disband the Sisters of the Middle Sun. They are paying their rents, my lady. Perhaps, but I want their land. It will pay for my new planned stables and horses. <laughs> Perhaps if we gave them chance to raise the purchase monies, my lady. I will not have excuses. It's my land. But, my lady... The prioress whips around angrily at the interruption and her sleeve catches the wine in Mavis's hand. <gasps> it pours down the prioress's front to her outrage. Convent. Kitchen. It is morning time. Aggie is stirring one of her potions on the stove. Blodwin is slicing potatoes and Letice is scrubbing kitchen services minutely and obsessively. Patience is chopping what appears to be a mound of grass at the table sitting next to Blodwin. Blodwin is singing a repetitive taradiddle song quietly which annoys Letice who keeps casting annoyed looks at her. Blodwin smiles serenely back. Sister Agatha, do you know that the primate particularly wants to have some Jacko often tincture in his food? Shh! Letice will hear you. And of course he does, child. It's very good for you. We must ensure that the primate has a very smooth and genteel stay. Her reputation depends on it. Ugh. I don't see how we're going to manage that on two potatoes and an egg. Well, that's just a reflection of your failures as a cook, isn't it? At least I have the best cell dusted out and all ready. I spent all day stuffing a new mattress and pressing the sheets. I found some solid ham in a storehouse. We could make him ham and potato soup. See, I am of the opinion we make his stay wholesome, but not grand. Because, you see, he's got to understand we're poorer than a titmouse's tit. Letitia glares at her and then pauses. Well, you do, in fact, have a point, Sister Blodwin. I shall remove some of the golden paper decorations. Letice leaves, and the other three open their eyes wide with surprise and gawk at each other, and then at Letice's back. Did Sister Letice just agree with Sister Blodwin? Aye, this is a rarity. Country Lane, day. The abbess and patients are walking into the village. As they come around a corner, they see two peasants about to climb over a stile. 
The men both stop and make small bows repeatedly and awkwardly. Uh, morning, sister, uh, and, uh, uh, sister. Good morning, good sirs. Is they going to the village again to get rid of them demons, eh? Indeed. It's good woman Shepley's sow. That ain't no demon. She keeps giving it them marshmallows she makes, and now it's gone crazy after sugar and has taken to sitting up and begging for them. Ah. You know, my wife don't think that you're worse than an airbrush at a threshing meeting no more now. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, and we think that your pretty apprentice here is really quite useful. Oh, thank you. The villagers start to climb over the stile. Well, we'll let you get on. We know as you've got that primate bloke coming, so you're probably pushed for time. Bye, Mother, and, um, uh... They both tip their caps and vanish over the other side and behind the hedge. The priestesses resume their walk. Well, it's nice to feel, um, um... Supported. The prioress smiles and absently pats patients on the shoulder as they walk. Convent, Blodwin's bedroom. It is night. Blodwin is brushing her hair, sitting in the bed, and the incubus is sprawled on it, eating grapes. We got the primate coming tomorrow. He knows all of the orders in the area, so he mustn't see you or your friend. Don't worry, my delicious love. We are very good at not being seen. Where did you get those grapes? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? She makes a swipe at them and misses, falling on him as they play fight and roll around. The camera follows the grapes as they roll off the bed and we hear a lot of creaking. The Priory, dining room. It is evening. The dining room is dark and candlelit. The table is magnificent with flowers, fruit, wine glasses and silver cutlery. There are just two opposing place settings laid. The doors are suddenly thrown back and there is a procession of first sanctimony carrying a white napkin over her arm and looking pompous. She then processes over to the table and stands where the primate is going to be. Then follows Mavis and Bluster carrying silver trays of food. They are followed in procession by a large male footman carrying the primate's long mace. These proudly deploy themselves by the primate's seat. Then the prioress comes in, conceitedly on the arm of the primate, a little old man whose large primate hat is falling in his eyes. They seat themselves with the aid of the footman and Sister Bluster, and the final following footman closes the door behind him and bangs his black stick on the ground ritually. The prioress smiles self-satisfiedly at the primate, who just looks around a little tired and yawns discreetly. The food is put before him and the solver lids removed. It looks very delicious and he's immediately revived at the prospect. Priory, study, it is morning. The primate and the prioress are in easy chairs by the fire, drinking their wine. The primate, a hesitant and somewhat henpecked little man, is looking a bit jaded. But you don't understand, Your Grace. These women must be stopped. They are a disgrace to our cloth, to all followers of sky deities. Um, well, I do think that they must have some way of eating, though, Prioress Pepule. The Prioress attacks a big cream cake on her plate by her elbow. She chews vigorously while haranguing the primate. They must live as we, and all of our forefathers have lived in their sky orders, uh, by, by the gifts of their congregation. But perhaps their congregations do not gift them as well as you do yours. 
He signals at the cream cake, at which the prioress bridles a little and delicately wipes her mouth on a lace handkerchief. Um, in that case, they should practice abstinence, as did the god of the moon in his movement through the bowels of the earth's nether passage. Oh. I hear your plaint, Pyrrhus, and I will certainly consider it during my processions across the sky deity's lands. He holds up his empty glass to her. Perhaps a little more? Convent dining room, it is evening. The table is laid for the priestesses and the primate. There are just three solitary candles, no fruit, and a small bunch of dandelions and other flowers of the hedgerow. The first primate footman throws back the doors, enters and stands by the primate's place setting at the head of the table. Letitia and Aggie enter next and stand next to their chairs. Then the primate enters with the abbess on his arm. They all sit after the primate has been seated. Blodwin and Patience then enter with two serving dishes. They stand next to, but behind, the primate. The primate's other footman enters, closes the door behind himself and bangs ritually on the floor with his black stick. The primate picks up a spoon and fork and looks back at Blodwin and Patience with hungry anticipation. Blodwin and Patience both lean forward from either side, remove the covers of the dishes and present their plates of food for the primate to help himself. One plate contains six small potatoes and the other a very small chicken and some thin soup with a few carrot pieces floating in it. The primate's face falls to become dismayedly disappointed. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sisters of the Middle Sun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we like to make it. If you could drop us a like, a subscribe, or a review on iTunes, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts, or recommend us to a friend who needs a laugh, please do. We're just starting out and every little thing helps. If you want to get involved in the creative side of things, or give us feedback, or you want to be a scriptwriter or an actor, or just want to be involved in the Greenlands generally, please contact us on our website, www.the-greenlands.com, or tweet at me at GreenlandsThe. I don't know why Twitter made it GreenlandsThe, but we're now stuck with GreenlandsThe, so tweet at me. Hi. I'd also like to thank our editor, Matthew McGuinness, and our musician, David Berlin, for pulling together our disparate elements. We'll have another episode out next week, so see you then. Thank you.